Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of Finding Middle Path, a podcast about all things DBT, dialectical behavior therapy, and the resources around it. I'm your host, Rachel Jillstrom, and I am a licensed professional counselor practicing in Kansas City. Today, we're going to be finishing up the fitting the facts skill associated under emotion regulation. So I hope you stick with us to talk all things DBT. So welcome. Thank you all for joining today. Remember, we're going to have podcasts that come out on Fridays now. So um, thanks again for tuning in. Man, it has been so exciting to continue to get back into the skills. And many of you know that this fitting the facts and the justified and unjustified emotions really is a life changer. It really allows you to go back look at some of the more emotional events in your life and to really give yourself some validation. And if validation doesn't occur, there's still a learning opportunity to say, okay, now I kind of know the depth and range of that emotion. And while the emotion is typically valid, it's also our response that we're trying to control or learn to control. So last week we went over the first four of the chart that we had posted on our blog. So we discussed anxiety and fear, uh, sadness, anger, and envy. And many of you have lots of questions about the difference between envy and jealousy and shame and guilt. And I'm really hoping that today we're really going to conquer some of those questions and discuss the difference between those emotions. Also, I hope one thing that you're starting to observe as you go through the fitting the facts skill is that we are leaning more so on that logic or reasonable mind. And the reason for that, and remember, we're doing this outside of a distressing situation. So most of the time when we get to uh, emotion regulation, we have the mindfulness covered when we have distress tolerance or crisis survival skills. So we have some other skills under our belt to help to kind of take the heat or the intensity out of the emotionality of something that's happening to us. So some direct interventions, but whenever we go to uh, changing our emotions or validating, and again, fitting the facts and understanding our emotion, we're typically past the event that's happened. So now again, we're leaning a lot more in that logic mindset. This feels somewhat rigid and cold to some people. It also doesn't feel like a skill to some people as well. But remember, one one thing that Marsha really wants many of the users of DBT to understand is that it's really not one skill that will rescue you. It's the combination of all these little skills along the way, the ones that are in emotion mind, the ones that are in logic mind, and the ones that are in middle path. Now, we hope that you start to learn and realize what middle path feels like, but whenever we're dealing with um, with with emotion mind, that's the one that we typically need the most um, first aid to. And that's the one that comes up and is most discomforting. Remember, these skills all do add up while in a discomfort. 
In fact, we're really trying to rewrite neural pathways. That's something we haven't discussed a lot of, but whenever we have those thoughts that just become ingrained over the years, it's important for us to address, you know, some of the reasons they got there and how we rewrite them to move forward. So whenever we are recognizing, for instance, when we talked about anxiety and fear being a threat to life, health, or well-being, oftentimes if we reflect backwards, as far back as you want to go in your life, uh, you start to realize that anxiety has piled up over the years and you start to develop a mindset or a response to something along the same feeling. Remember we talked about that could be not only the emotion of it, but the biological or the body response. And so there's lots of combinations of things that have gotten us to this point. And it's really important to do that really uh, dialed in analyzation to understand how we got there so that we can start to move and interject these skills to move forward. So again, the this part that feels somewhat um, not as heated or excitable, um, it still is important. And I like this one because I remember the first time I came across this skill as a clinician and it just made so much sense. It was putting things in black and white to help me further understand this emotion. So as we get started into, again, the second piece or the second part of justified or fitting the facts, we are going to talk about jealousy. So jealousy and and the fitting the facts definition here is a relationship that is important to you that is threatened or in danger of being lost. So when we think about envy versus jealousy, jealousy is a lot about relationships. Envy is more about, you know, it's still people, but sometimes it's more things or um, positions or power even that comes up. But jealousy is really more intended for relationships. So think about a relationship that's really important to you and how it's been threatened. And when jealousy comes up, oftentimes people really want to get rid of the emotion jealousy quickly because it has so many negative connotations. Oftentimes you think of the jaded girlfriend who then Of course, Carrie Underwood has a song about it, you know, keys the car, slashes the tires, whatever it may be. But remember, jealousy can be in pretty much any relationship you have. I'm jealous of a sibling who might be spending more time with a parent. Um, I'm jealous of a friend who might be spending more time with a different friend of theirs. Um, I'm jealous that a coworker continues to get uh, recognized for something that it, it just feels like your relationship to your job or whatever might be threatened. And it feels like it's in danger of being lost. So the reason why it's so important to address this is so that we do not act on emotion. And this is not the invalidation of the emotion. It's the invalidation of any extraneous or um, high emotionality uh, behaviors, so to speak. 
So for instance, we really don't want to do anything that violates our values. We don't want to do anything that is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, so it's really important to evaluate where is this jealousy and how can I then quelch it or check the facts or approach it. We talk a lot about what that might look like later on in some other additional skills, but for now we're just identifying when is it justified or when does it fit the facts to feel it. Remember, jealousy is one of those emotions that brings about a lot of discomfort in our body and it actually brings up a lot of past trauma oftentimes. Now, we can sit here all day and say none of us have any so, uh, you know, trauma. Um, but any of us who have been hurt or cheated or uh, jilted or gaslighted, any past behavior from a relationship that it was not resolved, then it tends to build up and continue to new relationships. So it's important that we address jealousy and really try to figure out how to not intensify it or let it continue to compound and into that excess emotion. And remember, excess emotion really does keep us from being skillful or having those skillful behaviors. So I'm sure we've all been there before. Um, This is really important for us to check our outcome and, and really start to figure out, you know, remember those values we did at the very beginning of, of therapy. This is a good reason to go back and say what's being violated and what part of the relationship is being violated. So now we move on to shame. Shame and guilt are also intertwined very often. So let's address this. Shame, shame states that it is justified or it fits the facts that you will be rejected from a very important group if characteristics of yourself or your behavior are made public. So shame is really about a behavior of yours that again violates a value or you feel like doesn't fit a social norm that's now been made public. For instance, if you got caught cheating or stealing, and remember this is if you got caught and it was brought to other people's attention that you really care about their opinion. Shame also happens, you know, oh, I was five minutes late for work and I don't like that. That doesn't feel good to my behavior. Um, I got a speeding ticket. Um, that doesn't feel good to my behavior. You know, those kind of things, they, they start to really uh, add up over time. So shame also brings about a lot of past trauma as well. So really identify what that feels like in your body. Think of a time right now when the last time you had shame when you had to say you were sorry, when you had to really make a repair and how that felt and how discomforting that felt. Remember, the shame is not bad. The emotion is not bad here. It has a purpose. Remember, shame and guilt, all of these, whenever we have a a violation of one of these, it's important for us to remember how do we then realign with our values? How do we rectify that? The next one is guilt. And so guilt says your own behavior violates your own values or moral code. This is why it is important to know our values and not just say I have them or my parents taught me them growing up, but to really put them on paper and identify 
What are your values? How are we really making sure they are not being violated? And what we mean by that is, you know, if, if one of your values is integrity and integrity in my book is saying what you're going to do and also doing what you're going to do when no one's looking, right? So, you know, integrity is exactly, it, it's so important to keep that in mind. So for instance, with a job, if your boss has told you to work on a project and you have not been working on this project, but you keep telling them you're working on this project, this, that guilt really starts to build. And you may think it's harmless at first, but it builds and builds. And even though you might get away with it by finishing the project on time, it still starts to erode a little piece of you and that relationship. So not saying that you need to necessarily confess to your boss, but how do I personally start to honor that and go, you know what, I'm having a hard time getting that accomplished. It is on my list and I will move it to the top of my agenda, whatever it might be that you can truly say and, and really help you to, when you go to bed at night, to feel better about what you tell people. So for instance, that's just integrity. So remember to know your, your values and your moral code. That's just as important. So when we feel guilt, sometimes we feel guilt and we're not quite sure why. And so if we can identify values and moral code, we can sometimes work on an opposite angle of things. It's also that feeling, remember, we, we're going, we're going to keep going back to body sensations. Those body sensations sometimes are confusing as well with guilt and shame. So the things that you were told to maybe be shameful about are now confusing because maybe they don't feel so shameful. Whatever it may be, it's important to rectify those and check, check yourself. If not, talk to your therapist, talk to some people about why that guilt and shame continues to be brought up. The last one is love. And love is one that I'm, I'm really glad that Marsha brings to light in, in her book, in her workbook. And she has not added it in past ones, but in the most recent one she has. And love is justified or fits the facts. And the way she describes it is loving a person, animal or object enhances your quality of life and increases the chances of you attaining your own personal goals. Now, this is a little, little bit different than kind of some of the other outlines, but remember the, the goal of love is not just to love one and love all. That's, that's a really great feeling and all, but really talking about enhancing your quality of life, increasing your chances to attain your own personal goals. This is about vulnerability. Okay. So remember oftentimes vulnerability and love go hand in hand and they're so uncomfortable. And so whenever we're able to go and justify the fact that, you know, that relationship in my mind was further than the other person thought that you don't need to go through and justify how they, you know, if they called it love or not to you, it was love. It enhanced your quality of life, right? It was something you became vulnerable for. 
And oftentimes we try to discount love because I jumped the gun or I, I was too quick to fall in love or I said I loved them first or I told my friend I loved them or whatever the situation may be. Oftentimes people who are seeking out DBT express that they feel more sensitive, more empathetic, right? And so why not lean into that and understand that it, it's actually like a superpower and it's a tiring superpower. Remember with great power comes great responsibility, but it's one of those that it does enhance your quality of life. And if we can lean into it that way and say, it really is something that makes me human. It makes me feel so connected. It's also something I have to protect because since I can be so vulnerable so quickly, I have to be very cautious of the people that I expose it to and that I'm, I'm around. And we talk way more about that in interpersonal effectiveness with boundaries. So I hope going through this chart, you know, anxiety, sadness, anger, all, all of this little chart, I hope that it helps you to give a better understanding as to when you can start to validate, personally validate your own emotion. Remember, the outcome is something in addition that we want to start to control as well. And we'll talk a lot more about what comes next. You know, after we then decide that emotion is justified, there are two things that we can do, okay? So first of all, if the emotion is justified, we can then go into problem solving skills. And again, I've said before, most of the time the emotions are valid. If the emotion is not justified, and let's talk about that. If an emotion is not justified. So remember we talked about the bear, you know, if, if <laughs> with anxiety and fear, if there is a bear running at us, then we have we have checked the facts and there is a threat to life, health, or well-being. Totally fair. But if we have a situation where I'm sitting at a stoplight and I'm starting to wander in my mind, oh my goodness, I wonder if someone's going to rear end me. And I wonder if, you know, something bad might happen to me while I'm driving this car. And that might come up because you've been in a terrible car accident before. But remember, if I have to go into if statements, they're not factual. They're fearful. Absolutely. It's okay to feel prepared. But remember that excess of emotion, that's definitely not the skill that we need to continue to enhance. We don't need to lean into uh, anxiety at that moment because it's not true. So if we go to, if the emotion's not justified, we then use the skill opposite action. So this is, this is where it gets a little tricky and we'll have another chart for you, but with opposite action, we really are trying to engage our mind to believe there's really not a threat there. Remember, we're trying to rewire our brain to believe, nope, there's not really an anxious thought here. And if I can continue to get myself out of that mindset, 
I actually reduce my anxiety in the future because I'm rewiring any future thought of me sitting at a stoplight and having that fearful like flash of thought. And then I, I quickly follow it up with the truth, the facts of the situation. So I do hope again, this has helped a little bit for you to understand your emotion, the emotionality of the moment. It can be powerful for sure. So next week, we're going to continue to talk about emotion regulation, and we're going to actually go through the step-by-step of, um, of problem solving according to Marsha Linehan. And if we have time, we'll start to talk about the, uh, changing the emotions and, um, and how do we do that opposite action skill. So I hope that you tune in with us next time. Remember, you can subscribe to us. Check us out on Facebook or Instagram. Remember, this is not a replacement for therapy. It's really important that you get plugged into a therapist in your area. Remember, you can use things like psychology today and find, you can really dial it in and find great therapists in your area of what you're looking for. You can even search DBT therapist. You can call and see who has groups if that's something you're interested in. You can also look for someone who's trauma informed. There's lots of ways to really dial it in. Even look for your insurance company or self pay or sliding scale or interns. I mean, y'all, there's so many options. There's also online therapy like BetterHelp and Talkspace. So there's just not an excuse to not get plugged in and find resources at this time. We really appreciate you tuning in. As always, you can find our blog at findingmiddlepath.com for all the resources that we talked about in the show. And you can also reach out to us if you have any questions. Thank you again. And I hope you tune in next time as we talk all things DBT.